Burning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson Section 4 Terms 4.1 Sin City Andy, it's time to wake up. A voice invaded her dream. She woke for real to find Chen, backlit by the late afternoon sun, shaking her. Oh, Chen. She laid her hands on her flushed face. You're back. I understand the deal went well, he said. Um, uh, yes, she sat up, reorienting herself to reality. They signed. Excellent. Well, Mr. Adams will be picking you up in a few minutes. I brought you something to wear. It's in your closet. Aren't you coming with us? Not this time, he said, covered the windows, and left the room. In the closet hung a column gown dripping in gold crystals. The hand-stitched tag read the designer's name she was about to meet. Another pair of red-soled shoes rested on the floor below in Andy's size. On the dresser rested a crystal-encrusted purse and a blue Tiffany & Co. box. After getting dressed, Andy tried to jam her glasses into the tiny purse, but they wouldn't fit. So reluctantly, she left them on the nightstand. She stood at the living room windows, waiting. Her reflection was luminous against the glass, like the glimmering buildings around her. Even the dry desert beyond the city shimmered rose gold in the streaky setting sun. Just then, Arius came through the door in a custom-cut tux. The sight of him robbed Andy of all language, except for the word, Holy. Her skin warmed at the memory of his kiss from her dream. Stop, it wasn't real, she thought. He cleared his throat, then said, I hope you don't mind me saying, but... You look exquisite in that dress, Andy. Like I knew you would. You knew? I mean, I do? Yes, to both. Now come with me. He held out his arm and led her into the elevator. On the outskirts of Las Vegas sat an enormous windowless airplane hangar. A single glass door etched with the name... You may dono was the only way in or out. It means hall of dreams, Arius said, opening the door. Named after a room in the Horyuji Temple in Japan that was built to help people nurture their dreams, incubate them until they manifest in real life. Inside was a single long hallway with 40-foot-high, shining white walls. They were cool and glassy to the touch. A two-foot clear glass stripe ran the length of each wall, and Arius led the way, occasionally peering into the stripe. Andy did the same. Behind the glass were spaces that looked like elaborate movie sets 
In the first scene, a woman in green armor fought 20-foot lizards in a mossy blue forest. Andy pressed her hand to the glass. Is this life? How, how did they do this? There's more. Arius tipped his head for her to follow. The next scene showed a Thanksgiving Day table filled with food, surrounded by family. The father lifted the roaster lid to reveal a woman's severed head, garnished with oranges and apple rosettes. His family smiled as he sliced off her ear and served it on a plate. The next scene was an old-fashioned western saloon, complete with honky-tonk piano and four-man brawl. I know it's tempting to stay and watch, Arius said, but we're on a schedule. Okay, Andy said, catching a glimpse of a scene where two lovers were entangled underwater. One had green and yellow scaled legs. Is this performance art? In a way, but more personal. Arius pressed a button at the end of the hall. When guests make reservations, they submit descriptions of their own dreams. The restaurant recreates them on the night they arrive. So is one of these your dream? I haven't seen mine yet, Arius said. But the evening isn't over. Inside was a room filled with exquisite white tables and exquisite people. The walls were white, like the hallway, and striped with glass. From the ceiling hung a clear catwalk, where fantastic creatures danced. Pink dragon ladies, candy-covered soldiers, crystal-winged angels, a Day of the Dead skeleton in a black dress and crown of jeweled roses swirled on a glass swing above Andy's head. Oh, wow, it's Spooky Luke's dream girl. Who? Arius asked. My brother... He loves skeletons and skulls and anything to do with them. But he'd never believe this. No one in my family would. Mr. Adams and your plus one, the event hostess said. Yes, and I'm sorry we're so late. Not a problem. Everyone just sat down for the first course. Follow me, the hostess led them into the private party. It was crowded, and as they walked through the space... Dozens of powerful eyes followed. Everyone's staring at you, Andy said to Arius. He looked around the room, leaned in, and said, It's not me they're staring at. Andy wobbled on her heels as her nerves flared, and Arius steadied her with a hand on her back. His fingers slid beneath the side of her backless dress just an inch. The touch was accidental, but her entire body responded like it wasn't, and weakened. The hostess led them to a table at the far corner of the room, facing the glass podium and small table holding a trophy. Everyone at the table stood when they approached. Each person eagerly kissed-kissed on Arius's cheeks and worked hard to keep his attention. None of them seemed to see Andy. They only saw what she was wearing— it was like they'd practiced the same visual choreography. Look at the dress, look at the bag, look at the jewels, look at the shoes, look away. 
Arius pulled out a chair for Andy, and she sat. Then dinner was served. As Andy ate, she noticed the glass stripe in the wall nearest her table. Through the gap, a family of lions stretched out on acres of thick African grass, gazing at Arius and Andy with golden eyes, the same eyes Arius had in Andy's dream. The biggest lion licked his lips. Andy cleared her throat. So are there really lions behind that wall? She asked Adams. Or is it just some video effect? He leaned closer. That's the intoxicating pull of this place, and of dreams in general, don't you think? The possibility that they might actually be real. In some alternate world. A world of your own creation. Or someone else's. He gazed at the glass stripe. You never really know, do you? Perhaps the lions have actually been dreaming of us, and not the other way around. Andy's famous table mates were all working hard to impress each other, and Arius was concentrating on his cheese course. So Andy took advantage of the moment and said, Mr. Adams, can I tell you something? He was surprised how much he enjoyed the smell of her hair and the warmth of her arm against his. Then this same pleasure made him angry. Of course, he said, fighting to push the irritation out of his voice. Anything. I was pretty depressed when my parents told me I had to give up school and go to work for you. I felt like they were betraying me, stealing my future. But meeting you is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I've learned so much. And this has been one of the best days of my life. The truth poured out of her like water. I'm glad you feel that way, he said, offering a gentle smile. After dessert and the awards ceremony, the group was treated to an elaborate fashion show of the designer's latest line. Before it began, the clear catwalk that hung above them cleared of dancers and lowered to just three feet above the ground, the perfect height for the seated audience to admire the clothes. But Andy had a hard time concentrating on the clothes. She couldn't take her eyes off the lions as they ripped the throat out of a gazelle. After the show, Arius made his way to the designer where he spent a few minutes congratulating her and smiling his best, you-can-trust-me smile. Then just seconds later, he kissed her cheek and waved for Andy to leave. On their way back to the hotel, Arius asked the driver to stop in front of the Bellagio fountains. A rare summer breeze whispered sweetly through Arius's hair. He leaned against the railing, then checked his watch. Two minutes. Two minutes until... Andy asked. You'll see. He smiled and turned to face her. I'm curious, Mr. Adams. Arius, please. Right, Arius, Andy said awkwardly. I thought you wanted to get the designer to sign tonight. You only spoke to her for a short time. No deal tonight. Not appropriate for that event. I just wanted to 
plant a seed of trust. Make my face one of the circle of faces she looks for during important moments and decisions. So the next time I call, she'll make time for me. I see, Andy said, and twisted the diamond bracelet on her wrist. Arius watched her nervous tick and said, Andy, I'd like to thank you. Thank me? For what? For what you've done for me today, he said. And what you're going to do. What am I going to do? He looked out at the lights on the water, anywhere but at her. You're going to be my salvation. Music erupted around them, and a line of fountains in the man-made lake swelled, then dipped to the rhythm. Jets of water danced up, down, and around, perfectly choreographed to a lilting adagio. Mist dewed Andy's skin. Oh! Andy held out her hands to feel the drops. Two minutes! Arius stepped closer. He smelled of breath mints and sandalwood. Then he reached up and adjusted Andy's necklace. The brush of his fingers sent an electric wave over her face, leaving her lips heavy and hungry. She leaned forward. Arius watched her closely, then asked, So, what do you think of your first Las Vegas experience? Unreal, she said. I can't believe people actually live like this. With the right luck, you could live like this. She shook her head. There's no such thing as luck like that for people like me. Adams looked her in the eye. Andy, there are two kinds of people in the world. Those with the foresight and intelligence to create their own luck, and those without. The question you have to answer for yourself is which type are you? He gazed at her steady-eyed, enjoying the expression of wonder on her face. If you're the former, you can have everything you want in this life. All your dreams can become real. I could show you how. All my dreams? For everyone I care about? She gave a sideways smile. He folded his arms and smiled wide. You don't believe me? The fountains crescendoed into the sky, twisting, arching, and crashing down, spraying Andy with a thousand droplets. She held her hands out to catch the mist, then smiled and said, If it were anyone else, Mr. Adams, I would say no. But you? I can honestly say yes. I believe you. I mean, sitting in on that deal today was pretty unbelievable for me. He nodded. And you did well. He adjusted his watch on his wrist but didn't look at it. Would you do anything to win? Just about, she looked at the fountains. Especially for something or someone I care about. He smiled softly. Well, we'll have to have you work on more contracts in the future. Might as well use all your talents while you're still with us. I think the terms are uneven. I'm getting the better end of that deal. 
Don't be so confident, Arius said. Not all of my contracts are... pleasant. Andy swallowed, then said, So can I ask, then, if I do a good job with the legal work, would you write me a letter of recommendation for law school? If we get that far, of course. Andy smiled wide and leaned on the railing. Mr. Adams, I mean, Arius, she said quietly. I have another question, a favor to ask, but I'm afraid to. Ask? He leaned on the railing. Okay, she breathed deeply. Your house is so big and beautiful and empty most of the time, and the scenario at my house is bad all of the time, and I, I need... He stepped closer. What do you need, Andy? Can I stay with you in one of your empty staff rooms? She fidgeted with her diamond bracelet. I promise to stay out of the way and out of the rooms that are off limits. It's just that I'm helping my family pay bills, and with one fewer mouth to feed... One less room to light? I think there would be more for my brothers and sisters, and I could save more for college. Arius's eyes grew wide with surprise. He had to fight the urge to laugh out loud at his luck. Well, I didn't expect that request. Andy's eyes dropped to the ground. I'm sorry. If it's an inconvenience, then forget I asked. No, Andy, don't worry. It's all right. Arius said kindly. We'll need to work out timing and get permission from your parents, but of course you can stay with me. Actually, it will make everything easier to have you under my roof. He smiled gently. For everyone. Four point two. Mea culpa. The desert of the American Southwest holds a powerful quiet. Some people moved to Santa Fe to be healed by the stillness, calmed and cleansed by it. But it doesn't work for everyone. Those who can't shut off their mental noise and let the quiet in experience a frightening mental suffocation and either leave or go insane. Living with so many people on such a noisy street, the Scoggins rarely heard the silence. So when Andy arrived home at 1.14 a.m., and the desert quiet was thick through the house, it felt odd and unsettling. The good news was that for the first time in a long time, Emma wasn't fussing or wheezing. Tiptoeing through the kitchen, Andy kicked something in the dark. A cascade of plastic plinked out in front of her. No, she whispered, then bent to gather the 21 empty cough syrup bottles that had spilled from the trash can. She counted them as she gently placed each one back in the can. Andy slowly opened her bedroom door so as not to wake Steph. She undressed in the dark, tucking the beautiful red suit and shoes that Chen said she could keep under her bed. They would come in handy for college interviews, Quietly, she slid open her dresser drawer to stow her glasses when her hand hit the letters to Chris. Letters she knew she'd never send. She tenderly touched each one and closed the drawer. 
She did her best to sleep. But now, back in the real world, words from the letters pushed against the memory of what it felt like to kiss Arius. Guilt churned in her chest. After several minutes of tossing in bed, she said, Grow up. Then listened to see if she'd woken Steph. The next morning, Steph's bed hadn't been slept in, and the eerie silence was still heavy in the house. A note taped to the fridge explained why. Andy and Jenna, your father has been arrested. I've gone to the jail. Emma is with me, and the other kids are at Aunt Kathy's. Stay home, in case she calls. We'll be back as soon as we can. Mom. Two seconds later, the screen door banged, and Andy was on her bike. <laughs>